Good morning again. Um, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Chelsea Radoya, and I'm serving currently as the Lifestyle Director at Eden Valley Institute in Loveland, about 35 minutes from here. Um, some of you may be wondering, what is Eden Valley? You've heard the name whispered here and there, especially since David and I married, and I kind of took him away from here and brought him up there. So. Um, To answer that question of what even is Eden Valley, um, I have a short video here um, that will answer that question. For over 60 years, Eden Valley has seen the power of God transform lives. With a Christian perspective on health and wellness, it offers natural treatments and biblical wisdom for your total body, mind, and spirit. During the fall of 1961, Pete and Ann Boris, together with Harold and Effie Grossball, attended a supporting ministries convention at Oak Haven in Michigan, where they were deeply impressed that they should open a self-supporting institution dedicated to spiritual growth. In 1962, Eden Valley Institute of Wellness opened its doors at the foothills of the Rocky Mountains National Park. It all started with a nursing home. Later, a medical missionary training school was created to prepare young generations for missionary fieldwork. A lifestyle center was established a few years later. Implementing God's natural laws of health, the guests experience rest, healing, and peace in the beautiful nature surrounding the property. More importantly, they were brought to the knowledge of Jesus, who can give true healing, both physically and spiritually. God designed our bodies with the incredible ability to heal themselves when given the right conditions. And so at Eden Valley, we seek to incorporate these ideal conditions for the healing of our guests. Today, the Lifestyle Center still uses simple treatments that have brought health and happiness to thousands of people over the years. These treatments include hydrotherapy, fomentations, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, herb supplements, water, lots of water, exercise, proper rest, and plant-based nutrition. Physically, uh, I just feel like a new person. Uh, I can walk two or three miles with no problem. When I first got here, uh, every step that I took, I'd have to take a breath and stop for a moment before the next step. Our energy has gone up and and our mental stamina is just, everybody's changed. They don't look the same. The tumor shrank by 87% the first time I was checked. So then the next day when they checked me, 95% gone. You're not just being told what to do, you're being taught why to do it. And that makes all the difference. Eden Valley, students come from all over the world to learn hands-on how to become medical missionary evangelists. The program covers principles of medical missionary work and an understanding of Christ's healing methods for soul winning. The students acquire practical skills in both disease-preventing natural treatments and biblical knowledge. Before I came to Eden Valley, I was in Southeast Asia for several years and I saw a lot of things and so many times I thought I wish I knew how I could help these sick people. But I didn't have the skills and I didn't have the training. 
When I left Asia, I found Eden Valley and it was exactly what I was looking for because it trained me to learn all of those things that I had wanted to learn for so long. Simple things that sometimes we take for granted that I knew would be able to help people all around the world. Besides the six-month medical missionary training program, Eden Valley also offers a nine-month comprehensive farming program. The world is in short supply of farmers. We believe it is our responsibility to share the knowledge and help prepare workers who understand sustainable farming in such a critical time. In the Agricultural Leadership Training Program, students learn all aspects of sustainable farming and farm management. Courses include areas such as greenhouse and field crop production methods, soil science, equipment repair and maintenance, basic accounting, marketing, Christian leadership, and more. Eden Valley Farm supplies pesticide-free produce for the Lifestyle Center and eight local farmers markets, being a blessing to the community. Eden Valley also supports ministries in India, Tanzania, Mexico, Hungary, and the Dominican Republic. With the mission of transforming lives through scripture-based education, natural remedies, and spiritual nourishment, Eden Valley is a place of healing where every guest, student, or community member can experience God's love in a practical, tangible way. Experiencing God's love in a practical, tangible way. Isn't that what all of us want? It's what I want every day, more and more. And so my desire is this morning as we look through God's Word and as I share a little bit with you my experiences in life intertwined with Scripture, that you would find that these Scriptures are also helpful in your own experience um, moving forward from today and even looking into your past as well. Um, just for my sake, I'm going to pray quickly one more time. Heavenly Father, it's a privilege to share your word with your children. Please bless me with your Holy Spirit and allow my sharing to bring encouragement and allow your words to bring life into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 145, verse 16, what does it say? You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. How many of you are a living thing? Raise your hand if you are a living thing. Yay, all of us in this room, we are a living thing. Absolutely. And um, just kind of looking at the text here, if you are a living thing, now kind of working backwards in the text, what does that mean that you have if you are a living thing? A desire. And that desire needs what? Satisfying. And that satisfying can only come from what? Jesus. That's right. And Jesus' hand gives that satisfying of the desire in our hearts. If we are living and breathing right now, we all have this desire in our hearts that only God's hand can satisfy. And I believe that if we 
truly, honestly, really wholeheartedly believed this promise, that it, was, it would solve much of our health problems today. Because much of our health problems are due to this issue, attempting to satisfy the desire in our hearts with something that cannot satisfy and was never meant to truly satisfy. When I was about eight years old, I remember trying to fall asleep one night, but being very uncomfortable with the knowledge that my dad was in the garage and he was drinking alcohol. Now, it must have been the Holy Spirit that impressed me with this uncomfortability because um, my dad was never mean or abusive in any way. He's the best dad ever. Um, and so I never associated him doing anything bad with the alcohol, but it was just that um, it must have been God impressing me like, hey, you know, this thing isn't right and this thing isn't good for, for your dad. And so I'm trying to fall asleep and I can't fall asleep. And so in my little child mind, I, I walked downstairs and I went into the garage and as my dad was busy at his workbench, um, I grabbed the bottle of alcohol and I poured it out on the driveway. And then I quietly set it down and then tiptoed in back, back up to my room and I was able to fall asleep because in my mind, I had just saved my dad, right? Fast forward about 10 years later and I'm in the garage and I'm the one drinking alcohol and at some point my brother came out quietly unbeknownst to me and he took my bottle and he poured it out on the driveway and initially I was really mad and and then all of a sudden I remembered that memory from when I was a little girl and I had dumped out my dad's alcohol and I realized in that moment that I was doing the very same thing that I was so uncomfortable with my dad doing all those years ago. You know, friends, the very things that we think we'd never do, we often end up doing. Isn't that right? Or something like it if we are or were given the opportunity. We should be very careful to never judge or condemn each other because often those very things have, or at least the principle or motivation behind those things have or will show up in our life at some point. And as one of my favorite authors puts it, where do I point this thing? Oh, I need to turn it on. <laughs> one of my favorite authors um, from the book Evangelism, she says, remember that you have made mistakes as grievous as those you condemn in others. Let me say that again. Remember that you have made mistakes as grievous as those you condemn in others. And I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but when you point your finger at somebody, how many fingers are pointing back at you? Three fingers are pointing back at you. So remember, we're learning and growing through life together. And so let's seek to encourage and lift each other up rather than cast each other down. You know, as humans, we often try to satisfy this desire in our hearts, in our very soul with various things, whether they be tangible or intangible. And the biggest struggle for me in my late teens 
and early 20s was seeking a reward in abusing substances and seeking my identity and value in competition and performance in sports. I was a college athlete and that was my whole life was um, wrapped around that. And that led into disordered eating patterns and then further abuse of, of substances. And so I was seeking after reward in all the wrong places. I was seeking satisfactions that were really just delusions of reward. Did you know that addictions are really a searching after reward? That's what addictions boil down to, a searching after reward. If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, we have a beautiful promise from God there. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, There is a reward that we are um, created to seek after. And unfortunately, we seek after it in all the wrong places. And by God's grace, um, we find the true reward. In Genesis 15, verse 1, the Bible reads, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So God says, I'm not just your reward, I'm your exceeding great reward. God called Abraham his friend. A loving friendship, a relationship with God trumped or exceeded any and every earthly reward that Abraham could have sought after. Thankfully, we live in a cause and effect world. And we eventually reap what we sow, sooner or later. Isn't that right? The Bible says in Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8, Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. We live in a cause and effect world. And I'm so thankful because if we didn't experience the consequences of our choices, we would not naturally seek after something better. Right? And so, praise God for suffering because it's an opportunity to seek for something better. And there are blessings in suffering because often our eyes can be open to see things about ourselves and about God that we would never had otherwise. So one too many times I uh, ran into trouble with the law and I was put on probation for about 18 months. And this was the worst yet best time of my life because it was during that time that I did seek after something better. And I found Jesus Christ. And I began to realize also that a certain health issue I was dealing with was because of the abuse I was putting into my body and that my choices had a great effect on my health. And so I began to read the Bible, and I was serving the community that was part of my requirements for probation. If maybe you're familiar with what happens when you get in trouble with the law, you have to do so many community service hours. And at first, I, it was miserable. I was like, I have to take time out of my life to go and do something for other people. <laughs> and so at first, it was just like a begrudging task. <clears throat> But as I began to put my time into others and serving other people, I began to feel this happiness that I never had before. I'd like you to turn to Isaiah chapter 58. 
Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 8, we find a principle here that is so rewarding. And the text actually uses that word reward. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 through 8. You'll notice all the verses are not on the screen. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 8. It reads, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be your what? Your reward. That's right. The glory of the Lord shall be your reward. And so I realize that there's something healing about serving, and there is a greater reward than the things of, of the world can give. Turn with me a couple more chapters to Isaiah chapter 64. Isaiah 64 and verse 6. As I was um, serving the community and I was just kind of starting to read the Bible, um, there was one particular day where I was raking leaves. And I'm out in nature and it's quiet. And this is like the first time I ever really heard God speak to me. You know, not in an audible voice, but... It was like thoughts that I didn't come up with myself, if that makes sense. So I'm there raking leaves. Um, in Michigan, there's a lot of dead leaves in the fall, if you've ever been there. And it can be quite beautiful. And this text flashed into my mind. You know that happens if, when you start reading the Bible, and then you go into your practical day. Um, Bible ver You'll be reminded of specific verses in your practical living and so I'm there raking the leaves and this, this verse comes to my mind in Isaiah 64 verse 6. It says, We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And it was like this revelation of like, wow, I was one of those dead leaves. And all of this time I've been searching for reward and satisfaction and things that can't, just can't do it. And all this time, God's been, you know, stretching his hand out toward me to give me the desires of my heart. And he's been gathering me up like I was gathering up those leaves. But I was choosing to run to other things that were actually separating me from him and also harming my health. Oswald Chambers says, a crisis often develops in our lives before we choose to follow God's will. A crisis often develops in our lives before we choose to follow God's will. This happens because we tend to be unresponsive to God's gentler nudges. And in that crisis, we have to decide, am I for or against surrendering my all to God, giving my utmost for his highest? Friends, are you responding to God's gentler nudges? Because he's doing it all of the time. He's nudging us and reminding us of a better way in every area of our life. 
And so the question to ask ourselves this morning and to keep in mind as I continue sharing the word is, am I for or against surrendering my all to God? During this time, Jesus became my friend, and I began to realize that he was the desire of my heart I'd been searching for all along. The reality is, if we're not consistently running towards Jesus, then we're either running towards sin or lingering in its presence. Isn't that right? And um, so when I was free from probation, I was no longer under the consequences anymore. And I kind of, you know, I, I, I wasn't really reading the Bible every day, and I was wanting to understand, but I wasn't quite understanding the things I was reading. So I began to surround myself in... Um, not the best environments anymore. And sadly, I went back to the very things that I knew were not going to satisfy me. It's crazy what trusting to our own hearts will do to our thought process because I started to like justify and reason with myself that, oh, these things are okay and I can still, you know, I can still have God, but I can have this thing at the same time. And friends... Jesus says you cannot serve two masters, right? He says, I want all of you. And you can't experience full happiness and joy unless I have all of you. So I'm really thankful for Psalm 37, verse 24. Because it says, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his... Anybody know the last word? What... What's the last word of that verse? With his hand. That's right. And remember, the first verse, our theme verse, God opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. So though I, I was fallen, I was not utterly cast down, for the Lord's hand was stretched out to me, and he was trying every means possible to communicate with me. And I want to encourage you this morning that God speaks to us through his word. God will speak to you through his word. Uh, I had a dream one night, you know, as I was struggling with, you know, the things that I thought were satisfying me, but I still kind of wanted God, and I was, I was wavering back and forth, and I had this terrible nightmare um, that a snake was wrapping itself around my hand, and then slowly, you know, up my arm, my shoulder, my neck, and... Have you ever had a dream where, like, it's just so real to you, and you wake up, and you're sweating, and you're almost crying because you think it was real? In my dream, I knew I was going to die. This snake was going to kill me. And I woke up, and it took me a few minutes to realize, like, that wasn't real, and I'm lying in my bed. And I was like, God, what is this about? Well, the next morning, the Lord encouraged me, open the Bible, read the Bible. And so providentially... I turn to Proverbs 23. Turn with me to Proverbs 23. This is amazing. God's word will speak to us. Proverbs 23, verse... uh, Starting at verse 29. Proverbs 23, verse 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Babbling? Wounds without cause? Redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it's red, when it gives its color in the cup, when it moves itself aright. 
At the last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. I read this and I was like, wow, God, your word really speaks to us. I just had this dream of this snake killing me. And then I read, I just happened to read this verse about the snake killing the one who is drinking the wine. And so at this, around this time, um, an Adventist friend of mine, I didn't know he was Adventist, but he um, invited me to a Bible study. And he was breaking down Daniel and Revelation and prophecy and just the way to study the Bible, how this text, um, you know, can interpret this text and letting the Bible um, define itself. And the, the Bible became like a treasure map to me. And it, it just became or like a it just became alive to me in a whole nother way. And I began to understand more and more like, wow, God's trying to communicate to me through his word and how to make the best choices in life. And so it was at this time that I discovered another verse in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2. Song of Solomon. Um, I think that's just after Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2. This is one of my favorite verses. It says, the second part of the verse well, we can read the first part of the verse too. <laughs> Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine, or your love is better than fill in the blank. Because I'm certain that all of us, including myself, can think of at least one thing that we tend to run to when we're anxious or we're stressed or we're trying to seek happiness and satisfaction after a long day at work. And we can think of that one thing that we might find ourselves running to, that we know God's been gently nudging us like, hey, you know, that's, that's not really the best choice for you to make. And so this verse really encouraged me like, okay, God, your love is better than all these things I'm seeking reward after. You are the true reward. It was around this time that I watched the movie The Passion. I'm not necessarily saying to go watch that movie. Um, but at the time, I watched that movie, and if you've ever seen it, I don't know how any human being can watch the scenes where Jesus is being tortured and crucified and not cry or shed one tear. It's just amazing what Jesus went through physically and emotionally. That, that movie doesn't even depict the emotional um, pain that he went through, but it depicts the physical pretty well. And so I watch this movie and I'm like, wow, my sins and my choices murdered my best friend. And when you think about it like that, it's like, wow, I was the one that was flogging him. I was the one that was spitting on him. I was the one that drove the nails into his hands. It was me that crucified him and yet he responded with, Father, forgive her for she knows now what she's doing. Truly by love is love awakened. What other love in the entire universe would say something like that, would respond like that? And so I asked myself the question, man, am I for or against surrendering my all to God? 
And so as I surrendered myself to the real desire of my heart, my best friend Jesus, the other things I was struggling with began to fall away, one by one. And as I surrendered one thing, it was like I gained the power and ability to surrender the next, and so on. We can only possess or obtain self-control when we give up ourself. Isn't that interesting? You know, we think self-control is all about what we can do, but really, true self-control and temperance is gained by giving up or surrendering self. So friends, the question to ask ourselves again this morning is, am I for or against surrendering my all to God in every area of my life? None of us can say, I'm perfect, I always make the right choices, I'm ready for translation. <laughs> no. As I mentioned earlier, we're all learning and growing together. And so what is it that you might be struggling with right now in your own life, perhaps even in your more mature Christian experience? What is the thing that you find yourself running to in order to feel satisfied or comforted? Do you expect love and appreciation and acceptance and value from the way others treat you? Because if you're looking for those things in others instead of God, you're going to live a very miserable life. I see it all the time. Only God can give us the satisfying that we need. When you're stressed after a long day at work and you're coming home from school or whatever it may be, and you're, you're like, I, I can reward myself with X, Y, Z. What is that thing? Is it, is it healthy for you? Does it really come from God's hand? And is it really God's will for you to indulge, if you will, in that thing? God's hand satisfies the desire of our hearts. And if, you have, if you're a note taker, please write these, these verses down. Um, it might be a little challenging to see, but the verses, Psalm 17, verse 7 Psalm 18, verse 35. Psalm 31, verse 5. You'll notice that the highlighted words there, all of these things come from God's hand, His loving kindness. Um, I can't see this far away, so can, can you guys help me out and just call out the things that are highlighted? <laughs> loving kindness. He saves. Shield of His salvation. He holds up, he's gentle, he provides gentleness and redemption. These are all just lovely words to meditate on because we, we tend to expect and um, want these things from other people, don't we? But we're always going to be disappointed with other people. <laughs> but God will never disappoint us with these things. Three other verses, Psalm 139, verse 10, Isaiah 41, verse 10, and Psalm 16, verse 11. He provides um, leading or guidance, right? Again, he will hold up. He says, fear thou not, for I'm with thee. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you. He's providing all of these things that will satisfy the desire of our hearts. And he'll show us the path of life. In his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are... Let's say those two words, pleasures forevermore, all together. 
pleasures forevermore. Who doesn't want pleasures forevermore? Everybody wants pleasure forever, right? And God's hand will give that to us. Now, you might be asking yourself the question, how am I, make, how am I to make the surrender of myself to God? You know, I've tried for years and years to give up X, Y, Z, and I just keep finding myself going back to it. It might not be alcohol or drugs or something that's so, like, in your face, not good for you, but it might be something that God is nudging you, saying, hey, this one little thing, there's something better. I want to give you the power to give this thing up and surrender it to me so that you can experience the real satisfaction that I want to give you. So how am I to make the surrender of myself to God? There's a little book called Steps to Christ. It puts it so beautifully. How am I to make the surrender of myself to God? You desire to give yourself to Him, but you are weak in moral power, in slavery to doubt, and controlled by the habits of your life of sin. Your promises and resolutions are like ropes of sand. Can you imagine trying to hold a rope of sand? What would happen to it? It just falls right through your fingertips, right? You cannot control your thoughts, your impulses, your affections. The knowledge of your broken promises and forfeited pledges weakens your confidence in your own sincerity and causes you to fear that God cannot accept you. But you need not despair. Hallelujah. What you need to understand is the true force of the will. This is the governing power in the nature of man, the power of decision or of choice. Everything depends on the right action of the will. <clears throat> now, keep in mind, we think that this is going to get, this is explaining like, oh, just make the right choice. But watch what the right choice is. The power of choice God has given to men, it is theirs to exercise. You cannot change your heart. You can of yourself give to God its affections. You can't even choose to do the right thing. But listen to what she says. There's two things you can do. You can choose to serve him, and you can give him your will. So choose to serve him, and choose to give him your will. He will then work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Thus your whole nature will be brought under the control of the Spirit of Christ. Your affections will be centered upon him. Your thoughts will be in harmony with him. Isn't that beautiful? So assuring that, okay, God, even though you're nudging me to give up this thing, and I don't even want to give up the thing, I can give you my will, and I can choose to serve you, and you are going to help me to want to give up the thing that's not really satisfying me. Amen? So beautiful. God, with God, nothing is impossible. He can, he can do it. In Steps to Christ, again, around the same pages, it says the true joyous life of the soul is to have Christ formed within the hope of glory. You can also find that in Colossians chapter 1. Haggai chapter 2 verse 7 is, is our last text. <clears throat> if any of you know it, Haggai chapter 2 verse 7 is a prophecy of Jesus. And anyone off the top of your heads know what 
uh, G- who Jesus is referred to in Haggai 2, verse 7. You might have to look in your Bible to, to find out. That's right. The desire of all nations. Haggai chapter 2, verse 7, it says, The desire of nations shall come and fill this house with glory. And that was a prophecy of Jesus, calling him the desire of nations. And now when it says that he will fill this house with glory, yeah, it was talking about Jesus coming to the physical house of God, filling it with the glory of God. But also, practically for us today, Jesus wants to come into our body temple and fill it with his glory and his character. The true joyous life of the soul, to have Christ formed within the hope of glory. God wants to fill us with his love, his joy, his peace, his satisfaction, and he wants to satisfy our deepest desires. The question for us this morning as we close is, will we choose to serve him today? Will we choose to give him our will? Because those are two things we can do. We can choose to serve him and choose to give him our will and take his hand that is always stretched out still. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the power of your love, the power of your word. Lord, you truly, you can and you will satisfy the desire of all of us in this room. And Lord, you may have been gently nudging us throughout this week or maybe even years of something in particular that you want us to surrender to you so that we can truly experience the satisfaction that you want to give us. And so in these next few moments, Lord, I'm going to pause for about 20 seconds or so to just allow us to to hear from you in silence. And whatever it is that you speak to our hearts, Lord, help us to just say, Lord, I give you my will and I choose to serve you. Lord, truly you are the desire of all nations. And you want to do for us what we can't do for ourselves and what we can't achieve through the things of the world. You want us to be happy, Lord, no matter what circumstances we're going through. We may be struggling with hard things in our life. But Father, you promise even through those hard things that you will open your hand and satisfy the desire within. And so this morning, we choose, Lord, to give our will to you and to surrender and to experience that victory and surrender, Lord. Help us not only today to experience that, but every day as we choose to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.